everyone. This is Going Beyond Salvation, episode 33, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson. Um, we're continuing on in our reading um, with um, Exodus, and we see um, the last time we talked about the last plague was going to be um, the Lord taking the firstborn and how it, you know, pointed to Jesus. You know, it was a type and shadow of Jesus. And um, continuing on with the reading, um, we go into this thing and the Lord does what he says he's going to do. He strikes down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. And so um, we see that happen. And, and because of that, Pharaoh has Moses and Aaron come and and he's, he tells them to go. And it's at this breaking point. He just tells them to go and um, you know, and practically the, the Israelites are just forced to leave. And, um, a lot of our reading is talking about the Passover and because the Lord wanted the people to continue to remember him and what he had done for them. You know, we have the Passover celebration and, you know, he's, he's continuing to talk about the Passover and what it means, you know, to them. You know, parents at that time were, were to use the Passover to teach their children the truth of how God had redeemed them from slavery and sin and made them a special people under his care and rule. You know, it's the same way when we take communion in church or known as the Lord's Supper, you know, because that took over um, Passover, you know, it's it reminds us of salvation in Christ and our redemption from sin and satanic bondage. And, you know, and I think, yeah, you know, we do take communion. And, and then there's always that question of, like, how often do we take take communion? You know, and I know there are churches that do it every Sunday, but I feel like when you're doing it every Sunday, it becomes ritualistic and you start losing the meaning. But if you don't do it, then you're not remembering. And, you know, a lot of churches will do once a month for communion with, and I, I agree with communion, like at least once a month. Um, because you're, you know, you're not getting ritualistic, but you're still following this, this ordinance that happened with Christ, you know, for us to remember him and, you know, the, his body and his blood. And, but, you know, as a believer every day, we should always be reminded of, of our salvation, you know, and that, that we're free. You know, that we were once, you know, slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. And that, and so 
that's just something that we continu- can continually remind ourselves and we have to continually tell people of God's goodness and what he's done in our lives. And we go into 13, chapter 13, and it talks about consecrating the firstborn. And what it has ha- had happened was because God had saved all the Israelite firstborn um, from the Egyptians, he now considered them his property. And at the time, they they were commanded to acknowledge by dedicating their firstborn for service to God. And then it was later transferred to the Levites um, from the tribe of Levi as as the people's representatives. However, um, they were to redeem or buy back such children by paying a price. And it, the act was to remind the Israelites that God had redeemed them from slavery and bondage in Egypt and that they belonged to him. Um and we we see in in the book of Luke Joseph and Mary presented Jesus as their firstborn in obedience to this law. You know, people think that Jesus, you know, broke the law, but you know, as we talked in earlier podcasts, Jesus says in in Matthew that in the book of Matthew, he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And so when he was being raised up, he was raised up to the same traditions. He followed Passover. He you know, he followed Passover. He, his parents presented him before the temple. You know, he was circumcised. He, you know, he went, he was a Jew, you know, he was a Jewish person and he was part of them. And so, you know, he was part of that. And so, you know, and we see that, you know, and I was saying, you know, it's kind of interesting when they did present Jesus as as the firstborn, when they, it's like, well and behold, but all they knew, you know, and I, I think Mary was storing this in her heart, but I think she didn't realize what was going to happen, but that he was going to be the redemption for everyone, you know, Jew and Gentile, he was going to be the redemption. And so that was just something that came on my heart about that. And we talk about yeast and and fermentation, and we've talked about that, that yeast or or leaven would be seen as evil and, and all of that, you know, and, and to this day, you know, you can eat bread today. You can eat bread that's made with yeast. You can eat your pizza dough that's made with yeast. It's, you know, back then it was to remind them about the sin that they were in and and what the Lord had redeemed them from. It was about consecrating themselves and setting themselves apart from other people. And with Jesus, he came and fulfilled the law. And we set ourselves apart in a different way based on, you know, how the how the Lord leads us, you know, and and we will go over those different areas, you know, and we set ourselves apart and we go and how we do that is we go into the word and see what God says is sin and what, you know, what he doesn't like, you know, <laughs> what is considered sin. And, and that's how we set ourselves apart, you know, and we're set apart through the blood of Jesus. 
and and that we're not to take up the yoke of slavery once we walk away, you know, from sin, you know, when we walk to the Lord, you know, and accept him as our Lord and Savior. And so they're talking about the consecration of the firstborn and the yeast. And then they talk about crossing, you know, the sea. Um, the Lord doesn't have them go through the Philistine country. He actually has them go through the desert towards the Red Sea. I think God had a plan in that area. I think he knew that, well, for one, he knew that, you know, if they faced war in the Philistine country, that they were going, their faith wasn't there yet. I think their, their, their faith was increased after seeing these signs and wonders. And then all of a sudden we are free from bondage. We're leaving Egypt. But I think at the same time, I think they were also scared because, they were stepping out into the unknown at this point because they were going from what they knew, which was slavery. And so for them to go through the Philistine country and all of a sudden having to fight, I don't think they were ready yet. They were not ready to fight. They were not ready to fight the Philistine country yet. They were, the Lord was making sure that they were going to be, be prepared. I think he took them to the Red Sea because he was going to do these signs and wonders in front of them to help increase their faith. And it's the same way in our walk with the Lord. And, you know, I'm speaking to myself today. You know, we get discouraged, you know, because we're in this relationship with the Lord and we want to see ourselves go further. Or, you know, we're waiting on a promise from the Lord because, you know, we feel called to this area. You know, I know you know, me personally, you know, I'm struggling right now because, you know, like I had this prayer and I'm, I'm like today, the Lord's just having to continually remind me that he's fighting for me. And, and it's, you know, we, you get discouraged because you want to continue on, but the Lord knows when you're ready and we feel like we're ready, but we're actually not. And, you know, when you're a brand new believer, you may feel ready to do some things as a brand new believer, but you don't quite understand, you know, and, and, you know, I've heard it say, you know, and I don't, you know, tell new believers, don't pray over somebody. You know, if you feel, you know, you hear somebody like a coworker that's, you know, injured and they need a healing from the Lord, by golly, you can't, and they say that you can pray over them, go ahead and pray over them. You know, and, and I've heard of brand new believers that have such faith because they, they say, okay, well, Jesus did it in, in the Bible. And it says, you know, when we, when we do it in his name, it's supposed to happen. They actually see somebody heal because of the faith that they have. And I think seasoned believers can like sometimes forget that, you know, that kind of like spunky faith faith that you have when you're a brand new believer because you know everything's just fresh and brand new and it's like you know but you know a brand new believer is not ready in some areas though you know they're not ready to be like a deacon or um and sometimes you know and sometimes I'm wrong but the Lord guides and directs us when he knows when we're ready 
and um, he, you know, we see he's taking, you know, the people and they go out to the Red Sea. But we also see this, and it's cool because Moses, he ends up taking the bones of Joseph. And so, you know, it's fulfilling, you know, this promise and that Joseph's bones is leaving Egypt. He's going with his people, even though he's not there, you know, physically. He's, you know, he he passed away. He passed on. But I think he was with the Lord and I think he was seen. I think the Lord let, you know, I, I kind of think the Lord lets us glimpse on some things, you know, when we're in heaven. I think we'll get that chance to glimpse at things in heaven. And I think he probably let Joseph see that his bones were getting taken from Egypt. I think, I think they got a little taste of that to see, you know, this is happening. This is prophecy being fulfilled. And, you know, and the people that are in heaven now, they're seeing prophecy being fulfilled firsthand, you know. They're going to be there and they're going to, you know, they're there with the Lord. And the day that Jesus comes back and the rapture happens, it's going to be like so amazing because they get to see this like firsthand. They get to go and get their glorified bodies first, you know, and the rest of us who are alive get, you know, just think of that. Those who have like, I think of that and my grandma, she's seen things She's seen things that I don't get to see, you know, my grandma and my grandpa, you know, and my aunts that have gone before me and they're in heaven. They're seeing things that I don't get to see. They're seeing things being fulfilled that I don't get to see yet, you know, but one day we will get to see everything fulfilled. You know, we're seeing a lot being fulfilled before our eyes, you know, prophetically. We see a lot of things happening. Things are ramping up. And I, I think it's not long before the Lord is is going to come back, which there was like a prophecy. And I'm, I'm waiting to see this. But some were saying because there was a prophecy that it, when the Kansas City Chiefs would... um when the Super Bowl again, there's going to be revival. And guess what happened this year? But I'm, 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 I'm like, okay, why did they say something about Super Bowl? But in a prophecy, but you never know. You know, there have been prophecies about President Donald Trump. And people don't like President Donald Trump, but there's these prophecies. And a lot of these prophecies, you know have been fulfilled over his life and so like when the impeachment came around I'm like this ain't gonna happen because this is what the prophecy said so you know it's kind of neat seeing some of these things so they're they're on their journey and we get to the the part of the Red Sea and we're not gonna go through the whole thing but we see that Pharaoh changes his mind and he goes after him one last time. And that's just because he was so unrepentant and he was not willing to to submit to the Lord. 
and he goes off and we see this this scene where yeah they were afraid and as believers we're going to come across situations in our lives we are going to feel fear we are going to feel fear and we see Moses tell the people do not be afraid and it says stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today and we have to break that apart because it's saying, you know, he, we are going to f- feel fear, but the Lord, you know, doesn't want us to dwell in fear. He doesn't want us to live in anxiety. We're to stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Our reaction, and I've had, I, it's been a hard day today for me because I'm one of those people. I am called what you call per- perfectionist. And perfectionists don't want to sit still. When it's not working right, they want to make it work themselves. I have to tell myself, no. And I've had to sit a lot today. I haven't gotten very much done. But over and over, even on my drive over in my husband's pickup truck, I had Spotify on. And the songs that kept coming up was like the songs about the Lord's fighting for you. He's going before you. And it's just like, okay, this is the Lord speaking to me. And yes, I have my shuffle. I have my Spotify playlist on shuffle. So yes, it's on random. It's not going, you know, one, two, three, four. And it's, you know, we have to not be afraid and we're supposed to stand firm. So we're supposed to stand firm. And even the apostle Paul tells us to stand firm with the armor of God. We should be standing firm with the armor of God. And it says, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. We will see, you know. A lot of us want to act and then see the Lord deliver. But the Lord is going to deliver us. We're going to see that deliverance. We will not see you know, depression again. We won't see anxiety again. And the Lord is going to fight for us. You only you need only to be still. So he tells us to be still, which is hard. He's fighting for us, but we have to be still. It's like, that's really hard for a lot of people these days. But we are to be still, you know, be still and know that he is God. And I think that's what a lot of us need to do when we're facing our mountain. You know, yes, we pray. We pray in Jesus name. We stand firm in our faith and we, you know, we pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray for restoration. We pray for deliverance. You know, we pray all the, we pray for wisdom. We pray for peace. 
and he ends up, but we also be still and we just know that he is God. And so I just want to say, you know, that's how we should be in our walk with him. And so, you know, and that's where I'm at right now. And it's actually speaking to me right now that I'm to be still and, and not move in my own ways. And he's going to guide and direct me in where I need to go and what I need to do. And so that's it for Exodus. Continuing on. Continuing on, we're talking about um, Psalm 18 today. And this is a, a Psalm of David. And this is attributed to um, that he's saying the, to the Lord the words of the song um, when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And for those of you who are brand new believers, you know, we hear about the story of David and Goliath, but we don't hear about the, the total story of David. And those who are not into the Bible and this, but, and this and that, but, um, David was a king. He was actually a shepherd boy. He was actually like the youngest of his brothers and he was picked by Samuel. Saul was the king of Israel and he was rejected because he w did not obey the Lord. And um, Samuel goes, Samuel was a prophet. He goes and anoints King David. And King David actually goes into the service of Saul. He actually plays the harp because Saul had like an, an evil spirit that would take over him. And when David could play the harp, he, he was a worship leader as well. David was a worship leader and he when he would play the harp, the the evil spirit would leave and it would calm King Saul. But King Saul after David kills Goliath, um he ends up getting jealous of David and his jealousy causes him to want to kill David. And so David actually for a good part of his life, he is running. He's always in a run. He was anointed to be the next king of Israel, but he was running. His, the promise hadn't come true for him yet. And it was probably hard for him to be out there and to know, you know, this was prophesied over him, but he's running for his life and, and having to hide from the king of Saul. But you see the side of David that there was times he could have killed King Saul. He knew he was the king, but he would never touch. He said, I, I will not hurt the Lord's anointed. I will not put a hand on the Lord's anointed. He was letting God handle the situation. He was pretty much following, you know, be still stand firm and be still, you know, and I will deliver you. And this Psalm is him talking about the Lord and how the Lord has delivered him. And we see that he has several names for the Lord. And he says, you know, he calls him my rock, you know, and, 
you know, we can see that as God's care for us because we find safety and security in God's immovable strength. Um, because when you think about a rock, especially a really heavy rock, you can't move it. It's the, it represents strength. He calls him my fortress. We think about it, you know, you, you think about all the, the shows that you've watched and, you know, the fairy tales you read about and you see this, like a tower, the princess is locked up in this tower it's a strong fortress or, you know, you see the people go into the castle and they lock it because they see it as a strong fortress. It's, it's a place of refuge and safety where the enemy cannot penetrate. And, you know, that's how the Lord is. He's a place of refuge and safety. The enemy cannot penetrate when we're in the presence of the Lord. He cannot, he has no place, you know, when we're he can't penetrate when we find refuge in him. He calls him my deliverer, you know, and it means that he's a living pr protector. You know, we, you know, Jesus was our deliverer and he's continuing to be our deliverer. He's our living protector. My shield, you know, God steps between us and harm. You know, he steps between us. We have that shield. We have that shield of faith. When we're fighting the enemy, we can put up that shield of faith and then stand with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and speak his word and say, no, this is who God is. Horn of my salvation. It means strength and victorious power to deliver and save us. My stronghold, a place, a high place among the rocks, safe from plunder and destruction, which, you know, you see, you know, you strategically, you know, place a castle in a, in a place where it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be plundered. You know, we put our money in a bank, which is considered a stronghold because it's safe from plunder and destruction. And so he... He goes through this psalm and, you know, he's talking about the Lord and he talks about what he went through and that the Lord delivered him. And there's just, there's so much in there, you know, and I like, you know, in verse 30, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. You know, we can cling on to that. His way is perfect. We we kind of have a misconception that the Lord's way is not perfect. But it's like his ways are perfect. It's us that are not perfect, you know. And the word of the Lord is flawless. You know, you guys, when we when we're reading the Bible, the Bible is flawless. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword you know he's a shield for all who take refuge that you know he's that shield when we take refuge in him and say lord this is your problem that shield comes up because we're taking refuge in him you know and it just keeps going and going you know that he's a deliverer you know 
And I like he, you know, in verse 33, he says, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. You know, we think about, and I don't know if you've ever seen a deer, depending who you are. I have seen a ton of deer, especially when you have white tail. White tailed deer are really fast. That's why when you go hunting, you cannot be seen because as soon as they take off, it is really hard to shoot them while they're running. I've done it once. <laughs> I did it once. And I actually, it was like, I think over a 600 yard shot that I took and I, I pommeled that deer to the ground <laughs> with, with the shot that I took. And my grandpa felt bad because that buck wasn't as big as the one that I saw earlier. And that buck that I saw earlier that was huge that morning. He felt bad because he had told me I couldn't take the shot. He thought it was too long, far. It was about 400 yards. He thought I could not do it. He thought I couldn't do it. He thought there was no way that she could do it. And I took a shot from more than 600 yards and that deer fell. And he was running. <laughs> but that one was not as big as the other one. And so my grandpa felt really bad that he didn't let his granddaughter shoot the, uh, the big buck that was actually not as far away. <laughs> he found out that I, I'm a pretty good sniper and that I like to shoot from a distance. And people think that it's not humane to shoot from a long distance, which that's another argument for a different show or some other time. If you ever meet me, wonder why it's humane to shoot a deer from a long distance away. But anyway, you know, you see a deer and when they're running, they're light. You know, they have what they can bounce or they can leap. I mean, it's just, it's so neat to watch a deer run. It's like, it's like watching Grace and it's, and it's like it's effortless when they're running. And, and that's how the Lord is. He makes our feet like of deer. It's like. Everything that we do, it's like effortless. It, it happens and when the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. And so that was some of the things that came to me with the psalm. And, you know, at the end, he does say, I'm going to praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. And so... We always have to remind ourselves to praise the Lord in that area of our lives. And then continuing on. So we're almost through Proverbs 3, but we're going to go into Matthew. And we start back in, in chapter 20. And in the book of Matthew, um, in verse 29, this is an interesting um, Bible story or part of the story because it's talking about two men bl blind men receive sight and there's the synoptic gospels which is matthew mark and luke 
each one of them records a little bit different and and actually one of them you know it's blind gives a name to to the one and it's blind Barnabas receives his sight and each one has specific details and I just want to say because people will go well you know now the Bible's bad because it's all different no you have three men who are you know for one thing Matthew was there you know um what it is and I like to say when you have multiple witnesses each witness is going to tell things a little bit differently when you go to the scene of a crime and you will see this in the court system because people wonder why they're not supposed to like talk to a witness and what it is witnesses cannot talk to each other about a case and whoever the defendant is cannot talk to the witness and it's hard because when it involves your family you can't even talk to them when it's a crime and what it is is they're trying to not taint the evidence what it is is they are getting everybody's side and that's what you'll see when there's an accident they do separate everybody in an accident because they don't want the scene to be tainted they want it to hear all sides and and so you're seeing different perspectives and so when you have more than one telling the same story you're getting a little like I, I'd like to say you're getting a little bit more meat on the bone you know you're getting more you're getting more and so we'll when we get to the other ones you'll see start seeing the differences and I'll like come back to Matthew when we go to this and just show the differences but you see these men and they're 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 asking you know they're going well they're they're shouting lord son of david have mercy on us the crowd is rebuking them but they're not stopping and finally jesus goes what do you want me to do for you and they say lord we want our sight and so jesus and it says he has compassion on them they did not stop even after being rebuked. They kept pursuing the Lord. They kept pursuing this healing. They kept pursuing the promises of God. And we will at some point be rebuked. We will be, we will find resistance when we're trying to find healing or, you know, um, you know, as, as for me, it's like I live in Wyoming and Wyoming does have a strong resistance against the Holy Spirit. We, Montana and Wyoming are, last I heard, were two of the, of the 50 states that have never had a revival, ever. And I have come across resistance, even like in my job, you know, that I can't be who I am because it's considered not politically correct. And so I just want to say, you know, I'm not going to stop, though. I'm not going to stop pursuing what the Lord wants me to do, you know. And I'm not going to stop pursuing His Holy Spirit. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself because I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. It's like I'm going to keep pursuing the Holy Spirit and, you know, and, and praying in my prayer language. Thank you very much. I'm not sorry for who I am, you know. <laughs> 
And that's how we should be, you know, when we're, when we're seeking a healing, we're going to have people too, they're going to say, well, you know, you know, you got to think about what the doctor says and we can feel discouraged. No, we have to rewrite the promises God gave for us and we're supposed to shout it out and continue to pursue it, to pursue the dream that the Lord has placed upon our hearts, you know recommit to those dreams recommit to the promises that the lord has for you don't fall away and i'm going to tell brand new believers who may be listening to this when you come across opposition like this continue to pursue continue to pursue because that's what they did and he stops and he says okay what do you want and that's what the lord's going to do he's going to take notice of what's going on and he's going to go, okay, what are you asking for? You know? So that's it in that area. And then he's approaching Jerusalem. We're getting to this point in the story and we are in the passion, what we call the passion week. That is the week of Jesus's crucifixion. So from 21 all the way through now, we are in Jerusalem. He's arriving to Jerusalem and he comes to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. And this is day one. It's all broke. We all kind of read this and we all think it's the same day. And it's not. It's all broken into different days. And um, so day one is the triumphant entry. And this is interesting because, you know, it's fulfilling prophecy. He comes in riding on a colt. This is about humility because um, you know, he he's fulfilling prophecy. But the thing about it is people are, you know, when the Romans probably saw him because they're there, they probably mocked him because they were used to, you know, their emperor coming in on a horse, on a stallion, a white stallion. He's coming in on a colt of a, of a donkey. <laughs> and, you know, it's significant because he... You know, he's coming in and, um, you know, people are laying the palms, you know, and that's where we get Palm Sunday. They're the palm branches before him and, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, he's there. There's these people you know, coming to praise him. And this is the entry. He's, he's making his way in to fulfill what, what the Lord is, is going to do. Not, and these people don't realize, not even his disciples, you know, he's been warned, they've been warned, but there, it's here that he's, he's coming to die on the cross and rise from the grave. Because when you see the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives, there was actually a graveyard. Um, 
And this is interesting because Jesus, that's where he ascends to heaven. And so what was death there, Jesus makes it into life and, and blessing and glory for the Lord. So then it talks about Jesus at the temple. Now, the thing about Jesus at the temple is he, we go, when we do the Passion Week, we actually go for Mark for more chronological. So Matthew has it that he went to the temple area. I think that was, um, and, and he drives out all those who were, you know, buying and selling. And so he, you know, he's cleansing his father's house. He's taking authority over his father's house. And, um, you know, and this is actually the second time he's entered the temple and cleansed it from unrighteousness. Um, he's coming and he's coming in authority of his father. And so we see that happening. He ends up, um, but I'm just going to say based on chronological, they believe that he actually entered the temple area the second day. And so when you go from like 14 or, you know, and we see, so this is probably day two and we see the fig tree withering. That is part of day two as well. And we see that it shows his authority as, as the son of God, you know, his authority in his name. And this is an interesting thing that I want to say about faith. You know, we see this fig tree wither, you know, and, you know, we can say to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. There's a sentence, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And I've heard this over and over again from, you know, several evangelists. And even one that I know from Cody. And um, they have said over and over, this is a key to, you know, your prayers is believing. You know, you ask, you believe, ask, believe, receive, and and so there are people like, and I do tell people, you know, claim onto the healing that you have when you've asked for it, claim it, receive it. And, and that's something that we have to, when we just kind of pray and sometimes think that, oh, well, I don't think God hurt me. No, you have to say, God heard me and I receive what he has for me. I receive what he has for me and what his word says. And so... That's something we need to take into consideration as well in our walk with the Lord. And we'll stop here today and we'll continue on with the Passion Week um, as we go through. And um, we're nearing the end of Matthew. And so for tomorrow's podcast, um, I want you to read Exodus chapter 14, verse 15 through chapter 16, verse 20. And then Psalm chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And then Proverbs 3, verses 29 through 30. And then Matthew 21, 23, verses 23 through 46. And that is it for today. And so I'm going to 
end with a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are going out before us and that you are fighting for us. Lord, that you are pushing back the darkness. That, Lord, you are our refuge and our strength. That you are our shield, Lord God. And that, Lord, you are our stronghold, our deliverer, O Lord God. We just thank you, God. Go before us today, wherever we may be facing, Lord. I just thank you, God, that we can stand firm, that we do not have to be afraid, but that we can stand firm, that we can stand on the promises that you have for us, that we will see the deliverance that you have for us, O Lord God, in whatever situation. And may it be a healing. May it be an actual deliverance. May it be a deliverance from addiction. May it be a deliverance in, in our marriage, our family, you know, a prodigal child, Lord Jesus. We will stand and see. And that, Lord, we just have to be still and know that you are God, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that your peace that's beyond understanding would just come. Lord, that we receive it. We receive healing. We receive deliverance. We receive freedom from bondages. We receive deliverance for lost families, Lord God. We just thank you, Jesus. Whatever may be going on, Lord, you know the situation and we receive your promises and what your word tells us about every situation, Lord God because you are not blind to it and you are before us. And we just thank you, God. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. And may you be glorified in every instance in our lives, Lord God. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.